welcome to Gay Card, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome to Geek Card, friends, where we live behind our own eyes. So if we're still breathing, the dream lives on. Cowards die a thousand deaths, but we only die but once. I'm your host, Andrew Young. With me, as always, is my fellow warrior, Mr. Green. Starting off on a, a very cheery note already. I love it. What are you talking about? I was just saying we're, we're do or die. We're out there. We're living the life. That's that that you could have just said do or die, do or die. But then you see the thing is, I feel like if I say do or die, I want to say do or die Cobra Kai, and we're not going yeah. anywhere near Cobra Kai tonight. So <laughs> that's fair. I don't want false advertising. Oh man, well we got some not false statements coming at you right now, and that is we got a great show tonight. Uh, later on in the program, we're going to be talking to director Tamara Sherback. Uh, about her short film, White Noise. Uh, it just played at the Fantasia Film Fest. It's going to be coming to Crave, uh, the streaming service in Canada, in the winter of 2024. We're going to be with her about the film and, uh, and more. We've also got a movie review coming your way, Heart of Stone, the new Netflix original film starring Gal Gadot, just dropped today. And... We're going to be telling you all about it, what we liked about it, what we hated about it. And, hey, here's a little, like, it's not a spoiler. It's just a fact. The film was written by a former Geek Hard guest. Crazy, eh? It's funny how that works sometimes. It's funny how that works, exactly. And uh, in just a few moments, we're going to be talking with comic writer Jim Zub, who's actually going to be at the Fan Expo Canada event coming up August 24th to 27th in Toronto. Uh, he's also just started, well, well, just the releasing of his latest Conan series through Titan Comics. We're going to be talking with him about Conan the Barbarian and more. It's all coming your way on the latest edition of Geek Card. So stay tuned and enjoy yourself right here. Geek Card, Reality Radio 101. Everybody, Jimmy the Short Order Cook here, asking you, what's better than listening to Geek Card? Answer, listen to Geek Card while wearing a Geek Card t-shirt. And there's a place you can get them, at tpublic.com slash user slash Geek Card. We got a bunch of great shirts there. We got Geek Card shirts, we got a Mr. Green's Tasty Meat shirt, and we got a Back Issue Bloodbath shirt. For all your geek needs... With your geek merch, you want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geek card. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you. Welcome back to Gay Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to the Epic Tale of Warriors Gay Card. We got a great show coming your way. In just a moment, we're talking with Jim Zub, writer of the Conan Bar Conan the Barbarian series for Titan Comics. Uh, and he's also going to be a guest at Fan Expo Canada, August 24th to 27th. We'll be talking with him in just a moment. Before we do, just want to let you folks know, there are times I've talked to people and they've been like, I really enjoy your show. I love hearing you, but I wish I could see you. 
And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And they're like, well, like, you know, like on a screen. I'm like, okay, good. All right. Because I got worried. Because, you know, sometimes when people say, I wish I could see you, it sounds, you know, kind of creepy. But they're they're talking about the interviews and stuff. Well, there's a place you can see the interviews with your own eyeballs, and that's at youtube.com slash show where we post a number of our previous interviews in their entirety. In fact, there's some, when they're pre-recorded, they're longer than what you actually heard on the show. Like right now we have like a 45-minute interview up with Jimmy Palmiotti up over there, but we also got shorter ones as well. A number of our past guests are up there, uh, even guests from like years ago that you can't get the podcast for anymore. So check it out at youtube.com slash show. And see us as we talk. But right now, you're just going to hear us as we speak with our first guest this evening. We got a great guest tonight. He is a writer. He's been writing comics for a number of years for a number of different publishers. Uh, he is the current writer of Conan the Barbarian, which just relaunched at Titan Comics. Uh, a, a second, a, a, like basically a second run on Conan for the man. And of course, as I mentioned before, he's going to be at Fan Expo Canada coming up on August 24th to 27th. Please welcome back to the program, Jim Zub. Hey, thank you for having me once again. Well, thank you for coming back on. And of course, it's great to have you come because we've had you come on and talk about other books before. But I know that Conan, much like Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. Conan holds a special place <laughs> in your heart. It does. So, I, Sword and Sorcery is uh, deep, deep in my blood. Uh, you know, getting to do D&D and Conan at the same time has has always been just an unbelievable honor. Honestly, I don't know how else to put it. It's just that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to throw in that. You're, I know you got like an upcoming Stranger Things miniseries. So it's like the people that love D&D you're also writing too. Yeah. I, I get to really indulge. I feel like I'm, you know, like nine years old all the time. I'm all these things that I love, but, uh, but I get paid for it. I'm a professional nerd. It's very nice. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and now more than ever, like Conan, it, it, People say to me, they go, this must be a bucket list for you. And I go, you're assuming I could have imagined the bucket at all. Like as a, a kid growing up in Oshawa, just collecting comics and playing games, just meeting the people that made this stuff, I think would have been mind blowing. My brother and I used to imagine, man, I wonder if we'd ever get to go to Gen Con, you know, the big gaming convention mm -hmm. once to meet like Larry Elmore or Tracy Hickman or, you know, Margaret Weiss or any of these authors who's work meant so much to us or these artists whose visions had blown our minds me actually creating this stuff just it's impossible it's it's always been impossible and and you know stuff like the first time i ever got to write conan i i've always got into it like well this is my one shot last shot whatever you want to call it and um this latest relaunch that we just uh you know uh, unleashed at the start of august with uh, Heroic Signatures, which is an imprint put together by the rights holders of Conan. So it's not a typical licensing deal where Titan is just licensing Conan from, um, from, from the rights holders. It's actually a partnership. I work directly for the rights holders of Conan. We plan this stuff out extensively and Titan is our publishing partner and we have big, crazy, amazing plans and full speed ahead. And we have launched like a, like a bat out of hell. This book is, um, it's a rocket ride right now. It's very, very oh, yeah. smooth. Yeah, it's been it's been wild, honestly. The creative team is phenomenal. Uh the artist we have on uh board at Rob Delatore is he feels like like this incredible throwback to a golden age of fantasy, but he's still got his own kind of spin to it. We've got phenomenal colorists like, you know, Jose Villarubia and Dean White on board. We've got the best, you know, letterer in the business with Richard Starkings and uh, Matt Murray, our editor, is relentless and amazing. He fights for us at every corner, and he makes the book come in on time, which is, honestly, it's quite a task because we are wrestling down such epic kind of storytelling, and all of us are putting our all into it. And it shows, you know, the fan base yeah. is responding. I have never been happier doing a fantasy book. We are having an absolute blast. Yeah, you know, Jim, you, and you, you mentioned the team, and, and it's a great team. 
And I did want to to bring this up because I was, as I was reading the first issue, <clears throat> looking at uh, what Rob does mm-hmm. with, you know, like he's taking your words, your story. And then like, as you, and you even mentioned it is that it has this, like, it, it really feels like old school seventies Conan car, uh, comic books. What, like even more than, you know, so when you say he's taking my words, he's not exactly. We you guys decide, are doing like the Marvel style. We're doing Marvel right? method. So w- the reason why I was called that is because Stan was writing so many damn books, you know, in the sixties <laughs> that he would just give an outline. The artist would draw the pages and then he'd come back in and dialogue it. And I've only worked that way once or twice previously, very briefly. Um, but Rob, uh, we didn't want to chain him in. He wanted to be kind of unleashed on the page and he felt very confident in his visual storytelling. And I feel incredibly confident in his visual storytelling. So I came in with these real brief outlines. Here's the overall plot. Here's how the scenes break down page by page. We need these important things to happen. You, you, I don't need to tell you how many panels you need, man. Like uh, the action's big and boisterous and, you know, here's a talking scene. Give me some panels for chatter. And here's the emotional quality that we should be feeling. And he's just pouring out this artwork. So instead of me writing dialogue or captions that are like, I think it's going to look like this. And then the artist is trying to match it. I'm looking at the finished artwork and I go, well, I got to live up to that. (laughs) And so in some ways it's easier. And in some ways it's more intimidating because I'm looking at the real deal artwork and I go, well, damn, you know, he's drawing this Renaissance painting of death. I've got to, you know, pull out every Robert E. Howard worthy caption that I can. And it's, it's making me a better writer. It's making me a better problem solver. And um, it's soaring. Like, I don't know how else to put it. I feel so good. We finish an issue and the lettering comes in. I mean, Richard Starking's a legend. He's been in this business for decades and he stopped me. at I, I walked by his booth at San Diego. He was chatting with people. I didn't even think he knew what I looked like, honestly, because I met him really briefly before. And I, he's got a, people he's talking to. So I'm like, oh, I'll catch up with him later. He pushes those people out of the way and he runs over to me. This is a guy who's like, you know, legend in the industry. And he grabs me and he goes, you weren't just going to pass by, were you? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I'm having so much fun. I haven't had this much fun lettering a book in years. You're really doing it, man. You're doing the Robert E. Howard. It's happening all there on the page. And I'm like, oh my God. And he goes, I'm so proud of you. I'm just so happy. I get to read it before anyone else. And I'm just like, how did this happen? Like, what is going on? We got some, some, I'm like, I'm not trying to brag. I'm as shocked as anyone else. Like the alchemy right now feels very, um, it's surreal. (laughs) I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, no. Well, a character like Conan, of course, I've always said that Conan's a character that, again, because, you know, because of Robert E. Howard, it was basically, let's, let's take a Western and put it in this other era, this, this other time, this time of sword and sandals. But essentially, you can tell almost any kind of story with Conan, just as long as it's about a, it's about a dude with his back up against the wall who's just like charging through and doing the best he can. Yeah, I mean, you know, and people people ask me all the time. They go, you know, what what is intrinsic to a Conan story to me? And it's like there are larger thematic sort of waves of civilization versus savagery that Robert E. Howard explores. But then there's also just that core idea of survival, exactly what you said, where it's like put put this guy in the worst situation possible and he's going to fight his way out or he's going to survive. He's going to push past, you know, he, he's, he enters a new place and he's the fly in the ointment. He's the, the, the force of change that's going to bring down old systems. He's going to crush dictators and destroy wizards and smash monsters. Like, and there's something very visceral and potent about that and something very empowering and exciting. And, and, you know, constantly trying to summon up that intensity that you find in the old pulps. One of the things I love about the classic Conan prose stories is they're almost all short stories. You can read them in one sitting. There's no fat on them. They just get in and they entertain you right from the start. And that's our job. Like we got to get in there and and summon up that same kind of visceral energy on the page, you know? Well, yeah, this first issue, like, it it charges out of the first couple of of panels and then it just it keeps going and there's you know like the the title page which just really you know ratchets it up and then it's like (laughs) and then then you bring it down slightly you know he's kind of like you know you're doing that that's fine and i was like okay cool we're cool we're cool and then boom yeah, we and push then, it and into overdrive right till yeah. the almost the last. Page. Undead army everywhere, yeah, just going body strewn about. Yeah, and, and it's I, one thing to say draw an army; it's another thing to draw that army, man. Like it's Rob is like I said, he's pouring it out dynamically and exciting, and 
and potent and violent in a way that we haven't you know been able to do before um there's a whole lot of limbs getting lopped off that's what i'm saying it's <laughs> it's a, every so often you know i get a page we get pages in every couple of days you know and the editor and i a couple of times he's literally phoned me like 30 seconds after a page comes into our inbox he just phones me and there's no hello how you doing it's just oh my god like <laughs> Because he just needs to swear at me because we're both staring at it clearly at the same time, you know, freaking out. We're like, what is this is crazy. How are we how are we riding this lightning right now? Like, it's such an incredible feeling to be working on one of my favorite things with people who are so passionate about it. A fan base that is currently electrified in a way that I haven't seen before. I've been writing Conan for a little while now. Mm. And um, it this is impossible <laughs> we yeah. should not be like you know i'm uh, fred malmberg he's the guy at heroic signatures who uh really liked what i was doing and he's in charge there and he wanted me to come on board this new iteration of conan and everything i know about publishing and marketing you don't market the old writer okay the old writer is doing more like that is not a that's not a sales pitch do you know what i mean like that is not that guy who did the thing he's doing the thing and you're like that's <laughs> That's fine. And I, I, I'm super proud of the stories I did at Marvel. Please don't get the wrong idea. I, I, if those were the ones that I did, that would have been cool. That's a really cool milestone in my career. But, you know, because of the nature of the way the book, the pandemic really kind of knocked our feet out from under us. And by the time things came back on, you know, Marvel's publishing plans had changed and the nature of the licensing had changed. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, you know, sand between our fingers. It was just, it was just the way it went. And I wasn't even mad. It was, you can't get mad at anyone. It's like getting mad at a storm. Like, what are you going to do about it? But I'm talking to Fred and he's like, are you still interested in Conan? And I said, well, of course. And I think he means like the all-star game or something. Like if they do an anniversary issue, they'll call you back and you get to wave and you get to do a short story and go, thanks guys. You still like me. That's very sweet. You know, or, or come do a, a, a mini series, like a, you know, sorry, you got screwed little you know consolation prize and i still would have wrote the hell out of it and had a great time don't get me wrong but then he's like no we're looking for a long-term partner we're looking for myth building we want to have this real you know 500 foot view of where the property is where it can be and what we can move towards and how do you see that and and real open-ended like what is this thing that we've got in front of us and what is this opportunity and so i just sort of kind of it sounds weird to say like did some soul searching like have i still got the juice for this or am i kind of beleaguered and i went no I've, i i know what i think what i think this can be and i sort of gave them this big huge mythic plan over the next minimum two years this is what we're going to do and lots of building materials for the future in and beyond that and i'm thinking okay you know they're going to bring in some young buck or some you know other person and and they'll be like thank you for your service and whatever and then they were like, you're the guy. And I was just like, this is impossible. And they're like, who, who do you want to draw it? And I said, well, Rob Zolotori is my number one choice. And they're like, we should get him. I was like, I mean, sure. <laughs> don't, don't let me stop you, you know. And uh, lo and behold, we've got this dream team. And I will uh, drink this dream juice for as long as humanly possible. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like you're telling traditional conan stories blood sex violence yeah. viscera everywhere well, we, we can go like the people are saying it's like the classic um savage sort of conan and and honestly it, it's more because <laughs> in a modern context we can do far more than they were able to even in that black and white unrated magazine yes they would have some nudity and yes they would have some violence but um we can push it even further. So the way I'm describing it, and that's, again, nothing to take away from the classics. Those books built my brain. Like, I love that stuff. But mm -hmm. um, we're trying to do the book that, the way you imagined Savage Sword when you were 12, like the shock and awe that it created in you when you were 10, 11, 12. But now you're 40 and you open it up and you get that same, whoa. <laughs> like, that's the that's the ideal for us. If we can do that to people, if we can blow their minds and make them feel like, I mean, we've been hearing that all the last two weeks, you know, um, old school fans. Like, I haven't picked up a monthly book in 20 years and I'm at the comic book store day of release and I came home and I giddily read it three times and, you know guys old enough to be my my uncle or my dad who are telling me they're like you're doing it kid you know it's like all right <laughs> that's the best compliment i want you know and Absolutely. young people too who are just like kind of jaded or feeling like man you know how 
these stories don't push things anymore. And it's like, oh, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> nice. This guy's the original. He's the Superman of sword and sorcery. He started the genre. He's 90 yeah. plus years of adventure for a reason, you know? So yeah. no, absolutely. And 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 one of the things that and I I I will freely admit this. Every time I pick up a new Conan series, there's usually like a bit of a gap in between. And sure. then I start re and I start reading and then I'm like brought back. And I'm like, and every time I'll tell you, Jim, every time it happens, same thing happened when I read this first issue. Mm-hmm. I always forget how uh smart and verbose Conan is. Way, because- way more. Yeah. The movie has created a a it has mythologized some of the, the wrong qualities. Yeah. In the character. John Milius created a phenomenal entertaining movie with the best banging soundtrack and killer action. You know, yeah, oh yeah. it's not a fantastic adaptation of the original Howard stories, but it's a cohesive unit of entertainment. I can watch that film and have a damn good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're playing to the strengths of Arnold Schwarzenegger at that time. Right. Yeah. As an actor, as a physical presence. And but because of that, the the. There's no other way to put it. The shadow that looms of the dullard barbarian, you know, the sim- few words and big violence is like, has has really cast a, a, a mold on what people think Conan is. But if you read the original stories, man, in the Phoenix on the Sword, the very first published Conan story, the first scene you see him in, he's writing, he's a king, he's in like a library writing. <laughs> he's like, this guy's smart. By the time he becomes a king by his own hand, he knows multiple languages he has guile. He understands how to lead men and what motivates them. He understands the corruption of civilization and how it can destroy people. He he is incredibly smart. He's not always book smart, but he's people smart and he's instinctive smart and strategic. And um, what I'm trying to do in this book is summon that character from the pulps. But if you came from the movies or if you came from any of the pop culture kind of expectations, you'd still see enough of those qualities that you'd be like, well, of course it's Conan. He's going to, you know, bed the beautiful ladies and he's going to slay the monsters. And and like, of course that's intrinsic to the genre and intrinsic to the character, but he's a bit of a philosopher as well. And I think people are going to see that particularly in the upcoming issues where he's having these conversations about gods and men and, and, you know, morals and violence and not like he's philosophizing during the battle like that's got to be quick and potent but after the fact it's like even in our free comic book day story he's at the the sacking of valerium which is the you know famous his first battle and after it's all over and all the bodies are being burnt and they're celebrating their victory he's looking around like is that it like is this what war is you know and that's something that is vaguely kind of hinted at in the prose but I'm putting a real button on it. Like, no, why does he get this wanderlust? Why does he leave Samaria? We need motivation there. We need a, a concrete reason. And the reason is because staying in Samaria is not enough for this man. He needs to see more and be more. And he, he needs to try and fill that, you know, hole inside. And it's like, okay, now there's some emotional thing that I can, a lever I can pull on more explicitly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Conan was born a rambling man. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We got a, We got an email in from a uh, regular listener, Mike D to be clear, not the Mike D, <laughs> but a Mike D. Uh, Mike D writes it. It says, Jim is amazing at what he does. Oh man. Thank you. And then Mike also goes on to give a review of the film we're reviewing later tonight. Heart of stone. Meh. Maybe a three. <laughs> and then Mike finishes off here with a hey for Mr. Green. There's a picture of maybe your next chef for if you open up Mr. Green's Tasty Meats. Mr. Green, you can check it out in the email there. Uh, a nice little doggy chef with uh, a few eggs and some A1. It looks like he's about to make a meatloaf. Good for that dog. It's good to yeah. see the dogs are getting out there, you know, doing their part. Yeah, man. Us. Yeah, totally. That's totally. What, you need a real dog in the kitchen. Like that's uh, you know, we got we got you got you to work your way up, right? Definitely, definitely. Now, now, Jim, you have got a lot of writing on your plate right now, mm-hmm. um, and that's the thing. Like comic writing, I know that it's 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 a pretty time consuming thing. It's so on like, on a monthly book in particular, where you're you're working on four to five issues simultaneously because art's coming in in all the various stages. 
while you're letterproofing, while you're yeah. in promotion and stuff like that. So once that train leaves the station, man, you're just like, you're holding on for dear life. Cause every, yeah. every four weeks, something's going off to press and it's going to have your name on it. So you better be, you know, in front of that as much as you can. So we've tried to plan out as much as we can in advance. And no matter how much lead time you have, there's always those last minute little tweaks and adjustments and, you can't believe the night before it's going to press. You're like, really? We're doing more proofing. Okay. Like that's just, <laughs> and you, you learn to do it from hotel rooms or in airports or, you know, during con season, that's what it's going to be. And well, yeah, exactly with that. Cause it's like, so yeah, again, cause I, as I mentioned now that of course, Fan Expo Canada, it's in town. It's where yeah. you are. So that's sleep, not as bad. Sleep in my own bed con. Exactly. Sleep in your own bed con. <laughs> but of course you were at San Diego and you do yeah. these other cons and everything. Do you feel like when you're on the floor talking with fans or in a panel, is that almost like 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 a nice little break? A nice little like, oh, I can um, actually turn my brain off for a few seconds and not think about writing. I don't know. It's weird. Like it's fun to be able to meet the people that that read the books and to celebrate that aspect of it, you know? Yeah. Or even just bring someone around. I can't tell you the number of times in San Diego, because we had the pre-release issues there. People would pick it up and they would their eyes would pop. They're just like, Holy crap, this looks amazing. You're like, right? <laughs> And it's yours, but, you know, like, um, but that excitement, getting to really talk to people about this stuff. Sometimes they've, whatever, they've talked to you on social media and now you get to put a face to the name or something. And other times it's just, just really cool interactions and really nice to be able to, you know, but I enjoy all aspects of it. Like I, you know, it's not about having written. It's the constant, I want to write more. You do kind of get in your own head and you're constantly kind of figuring things out or you're talking to someone about the story and just verbalizing some of your ideas suddenly gets the gears turning and you go, Oh wait, there's a permutation there. I hadn't even thought of, or someone else makes a stray comment and you go, you have no idea. You just unlocked this whole other corridor of cool stuff that I think I'm going to do. And I'll thank you for it in like six months, you know, like, like that, that, that's, what's really fun about it. Um, and, and having those kinds of, yeah, sometimes you're jet lagged and sometimes your <laughs> your feet hurt and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's for the right reasons. You're doing it because you love it and you love to meet people. And and I get a lot of energy out of that stuff. I'm very much an extrovert when I go to these conventions. I finish a day and like the battery's charged. My my body hurts, but I'm more excited than ever because you've been able to really kind of physically yeah, embody that excitement for a few days and and see people's excitement and joy in it. Um, you know, and 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 they tell you, particularly when you're working with an iconic character. When I was doing Avengers or or you know even Samurai Jack or or Rick and Morty, they're telling you you're you're getting a little piece of that spotlight. You know, you, they tell you how much this character has meant to them and how long. And it's like that's not mine, but now I get to be a tiny part of that legacy, and that's very special. Um, and, and, and I never want to kind of take that for granted. You know, I, I listened to what you just had to say, Jim, and I got to say, you are probably the first and only comic creator that we've ever spoken to that has honestly talked about having their batteries fully charged at the end of a day at a con. It's not to say I'm not exhausted, but it's like a different, <laughs> it's a, the flesh may be weak, but the spirit yeah, is very I, willing. Yeah. yeah. I've been doing cons now for over 20 years. I've probably done about 250 shows and there's definitely meat grinder shows. There's shows where you finish and you just crawl over the finish line and you're like, I'm done. You know, it's changing now too. Um, I signed with an agency after the pandemic and so they're doing all the setup and teardown. And the first few shows I did like that, I felt very, very guilty because I was used to schlepping the stuff myself. And my poor wife and I are figuring out, you know, can we max out our luggage with books every time or ship stuff ahead of time to the show or call in favors from a retailer or get on someone else's pallet for boxes. And, you know, like it just became this logistic nightmare. And all of a sudden, a bunch of my friends were with this agency called Comic Sketch Art and they were like, Hey, I just go to the show and I sign stuff and then I leave. And I was like, you bastard, you know, like <laughs> it can't be that easy. You're supposed to be dying on your feet. Your spine's supposed to be bending backwards. This is impossible. And um, I, yeah, I started doing shows with them and I just showed up and the booths all set up and I'm there to sign. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of nice. Okay. I can, I can do this. <laughs> I'm lazy enough now. I can do this. I, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've, I've paid my dues. Um, and it doesn't mean that, that 
it, it's just nice. It's nice. It's nice to know that, that you're there. You can save that energy up for just interacting with people instead of being like, Oh God, you know, I've got to just get set up and I'm a ball of sweat. And then someone comes over and they're like, it's so great to meet you. And you're like, I just want to vomit. Like, (laughs) it's not because you're a bad person. It's just because I've been hauling 35 boxes up, you know, the escalator or whatever. So now it's like this very cool thing where I'm going to a show and it's much more kind of focused and, and I can just concentrate on the thing. And, um, and, and again, not take it for granted because, I've been there. I've been in those trenches and I know what that kind of feels like. And, and yeah, doing the books, it's great. I don't know how else to put it. It's a, it's a really weird, cool feeling. I've been having this thing over the last couple of years in particular, where I've been in mixed company with people and I introduce myself and I say, I'm Jim. And then we're talking for a little bit and then someone will say, Oh, you know, Zub's doing blah, blah, blah. And they go, Oh, you're Jim Zub. And you're like, Oh, is Oh, is that a thing? Like, I didn't know that was, <laughs> that sounds very weird and pretentious. Like that, like that, I guess. Yes. I, that's me. Yes. That's, um, yeah. Take ownership. You are the gyms up. Yeah, it's very odd. It's very odd. You and know, you, apparently you also have another name by the email we just got in. Uh, again, if you want to send an email, geekheartshow at gmail.com. William S. writes in Nick's on Heart of Stone. So another non fan of the Heart of Stone movie we're going to review. <laughs> uh, hey to Zubby. Nice. Yes. And then uh, also finishing off, hey to the old man. Are somebody talking about me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, old man. You got you got another fan. I say, well, you know, my friends, they're the reason why you have a show. You guys know that, right? <laughs> I am the draw. The three or four minutes that I have on every episode, that's what people come for. So I'm glad to give another minute to your show of, <laughs> of my presence. Well, thank thank you very much, old man. And thank you, William, for your email. But, uh, Jim, before we wrap up this interview, mm-hmm. you know, again, you, you long-time fan of D&D and things like that, yes. a long-time fan of tabletop gaming overall, what's some fun games that maybe you've recently played that you'd, you'd recommend to our listeners? Oh, perfect timing. No joke. I know it's going to sound very convenient. I was literally gaming last night. So we've got a semi-regular tabletop group. Uh, and when, when we're super busy with cons and stuff, we usually just switch to board games and card games and stuff. Cause it's just hard to get that continuity from week to week to get people, you know, in the door to play D and D or other tabletop RPGs. And I got a bunch of stuff at Gen Con. And so this was all cracking open the new games and playing with some friends. So I had a couple of friends over last night um, and we were playing, there's this company called Oink Games. They're this Japanese game company and they have immaculate design and most of their game boxes are incredibly small. You could throw like three of these in your luggage and they would take up zero space. Like they're very small and they're portable and they're beautifully designed and they're smart. They're smart, really great games. Um, one of the games we played last night is called Scout. It's a little card game. It takes like 20 minutes to play. It's really fun and stupid and you get into a really good rhythm with it and we're all laughing and yelling at each other. And then there's a new game they've got called Tiger and Dragon that's actually based on this Japanese tile laying game that's very, very kind of traditional in Japan. And they've simplified it and kind of codified it in a way that anyone can kind of dive in. And uh, we had a ton of fun playing last night and we just sat around, had a couple of drinks and got caught up and chat and laugh and play a bunch of games um you know other weeks they've come over we've played everything from pandemic cthulhu to like um trying to think of other stuff we've been playing with the guys we played like king of tokyo which is a great game or robo rally like all kinds sometimes old games sometimes new games uh you know pulling stuff out blow the dust off and go remember this one you know let's let's dig into that kind of stuff uh, we're always buying Kickstarters of new board games and someone brings it and we're like, all right, crack it open. Let's figure this thing out. And it's fun. It's fun to have people who are passionate about this stuff and to be gaming with them all the time. And then, um, you know, we're planning for our next kind of tabletop RPG campaign once the fall hits and I'm not running around to cons every, every week or two. So, right. Well, that's, nice. well, there you go. There's some great recommendations for you guys out there. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for coming on the program again, taking time, because as I said, you know, uh, comic writing, because of the schedule you're on, I know you're always very busy. So I appreciate it very much. And I look oh, forward I look forward to seeing you, sir, at Fan Expo Canada, August 24th to 27th. Yes. And uh, people out there, if you haven't already, pick up issue one 
of Conan the Barbarian. It's out on comic stands right now. Issue two comes out August 30th. Yeah, and it's sold out at distribution. So if you see a copy at a comic store, snap it up because they can't reorder it anymore. We're going to a second printing that will be arriving the same day as issue two. So um, bring those copies to Fan Expo. I'm going to have a limited number for sale. We honestly don't expect they're going to last very long. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been getting emails from retailers, from from fans who are trying to hunt down uh, copies of the issue. It feels very weird. It's uh, it's an exciting time right now. Awesome. awesome. Well, thanks again so much for coming on. Have yourself a great night, sir. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Bye. So that was Jim Zub, writer of Conan the Barbarian, which you can pick up right now at your local comic shop through Titan Comics. We're going to take it. Actually, wait a second. We got an email in from John T who says, Geeks, love the show and love writing in. There are four of us here listening to you. We'll be seeing Heart of Stone this coming weekend. Hey, old man. She, they love me. I'm back again. Here you go. Who the man, old man. That's the way it is. Who the man, old man? Okay. That's right. Who the man, old man. You know what, kids? If you want to show that you love the old man, go to tpublic.com slash user slash geek card. We got a shirt there. It says the old man. You wear it. I know you're part of the old man nation, so go pick it up today. And then uh, John finishes off by saying, be well, kids. So thank you for the email, John. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll be reading some more of your emails. Of course, email us at geekardshow at gmail.com with your reviews of Heart of Stone or if you have any questions for us. And it's all happening right here, Geek Card Reality Radio 101. Remember when you used to go to the comic shop and browse through the stacks, picking up comic after comic, talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy? What kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about? I don't go outside. Well, thank goodness for Back Issue Bloodbath with Andrew Young and Petula Neal. When we talk about comics old and new. Mostly old. But sometimes new. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good. Welcome back to Geek Art right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, back to your hosts of Geek Hard, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Hard. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here on a fabulous Friday night. In just a moment, we're going to be giving our review of Heart of Stone. But we have an email that came in from Dan M. Of course, you can send your emails to us at geekhardshow at gmail.com. Dan writes, Hey to the geeks of Geek Hard. Hello tonight, geeks. My review of Heart of Stone is all right. I would rate it a five. But since I really did not know a lot of the actors, it was kind of ho-hum. But I love you guys. We love you too, Dan. And yeah. thank you for bringing back Ho Hum. I was thinking the exact same thing. Ho Hum is great. I like Ho Hum. Is is yeah? We got to bring it back. Bringing it back. We're taking back the Ho Hum. It's gonna happen. That's it. No more humdrum. It's all Ho Hum right here. That that should be uh that should be the new uh, mid tier uh, review option. Yeah, there you go. Or like uh, if somebody was a. Uh, 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 Ramones cover band. They could start a song going, Hey, ho, ho, hum. But anyway, <laughs> happening next week. Up. But anyways, uh, so yeah, so Heart of Stone, uh, directed by Tom Harper, written by former Geek Hard guest, not only former Geek Hard guest, but former Golden Grant Award winning Geek Hard guest, Greg Rucka, and Allison Schroeder, produced by Mockingbird Pictures. Plotwave Motion Pictures and Skydance Media and distributed by Netflix. Here to read the synopsis is apparently The Draw, The Old Man. That's goddamn right, I'm The Draw. There you go. Bringing you more listeners right now. Just 
you went and look like you're getting tons of cards and letters and and just asking for more old man and here i'm giving it to you right now an intelligence operative for a shadowy global force piecing or peacekeeping agency races to stop a hacker from stealing its most valuable and dangerous weapon yeah you know you know what the most valuable weapon you have is right mr green myself your mind oh Take- Take care of your mind. You, you're you know? going, go, I see. Okay, we're going a little uh, little deeper here tonight. Okay. I'm always deep. I'm the deepest. You're the, you're the deepest. I'm the deepest. I get deep. I get down in there. Yeah, I you and the Marianas the... Trench. That's, uh... That's right. Oh, man, Marianas is crazy stuff. A lot of stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's where uh, that's where kaiju comes from. Oh, really? Yeah. All kaiju comes from the Marianas All Trench. Yeah, they, you think it comes from other places, but it's the Marianas Trench. Okay. That's where it is. It's Fair enough. Tons of different kaiju. It's great. Yeah. But it's yeah, fa- you guys are going to talk about a movie, eh? But uh, but again, take care of your mind, eh? Absolutely. There you go. Mind your mind. There he goes, the old man. So let's get into it. Heart of Stone, Mr. Green. What do you think of Heart of Stone? Uh, it is fulfilling something that, uh, you and I have, uh, talked about for, uh, a number of years now is the sheer lack of, uh, mid-tier, uh, action films coming out of Hollywood. Right now, it seems like in Hollywood, you are either a, you know, half a billion dollar, uh, budget, you know, blockbuster, you know, summer blockbuster type film, like Avengers Endgame, something like that, or, you're made for about a dollar fifty, you know, in a pack of gum, right? That's kind of how Hollywood is these days. Mm. And uh, I put Heart of Stone kind of in that 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 traditional old school, like about you know fifty to seventy million dollar kind of mid tier film. Right. That uh, you know you're gonna go in, have some action, have some you know have some uh, interesting stunt work, some interesting effects, and it's you know. Depending on your point of view, an interesting story, uh, and then uh, see what happens. At the end of the day, this is you know pulling into that universe of uh, of Mission Impossible, and and um, of course Bond is an obvious uh, comparison, especially with uh, the opening of the film. It uh, feels very Bondian at that point. Oh, anytime uh, you get a mountain and a and a parachute, you know, you can't <laughs> help it. Although. <laughs> Cool twist in this, you know, yeah. uh, that I did like that. Um, uh, both of the twists, uh, not to yeah. give too much away, but um, the uh, the actual plot twist and the visual twist. Dramatic um, twist. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, it's it's taking, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, one of the, uh, the listeners wrote in about how, you know, not really knowing too much of the uh, uh, the cast. And that's that's a fair that's a fair point because really other than Gal Gadot, you know, most average movie watchers are not really going to recognize a lot of the cast. I would say she's top tier Then Jamie Dornan, who's in this film is going to be remembered by, I would say primarily the, uh, the female audience members just because of his background in film. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, less said about that, the better, Uh, but he, you know, he's got some other performances out there. But a lot of the cast, English, European, you know, uh, yeah. if you're if you're a Netflix watcher, Matthias uh, Schwighoffer, uh, who's in this again, playing a great role. I want to see him in more films because he just yeah. he's fun to watch. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the overall uh, the, the story itself. Yeah. Uh, I expected more out of Rucka, to be quite honest. Yeah. The story, the story does come out a little simpler than what you'd expect from Rucka. Yeah. Yeah. It's... And I, I have a feeling that that's not a Rucka problem. That is a, you know, a studio problem more than right, anything else, right. you know, and, and quite honestly, as we both know, films are, are technically made in the editing room, right? Like, yeah, yeah that's true. You know, that's true. Because as much as you can act the shit out of something, write the shit out of something, direct the shit out of something, film the shit out of something. Yeah, if it's edited badly, it could fail totally. Yeah, and that's not the editor's fault necessarily because sometimes he's getting overridden by the producers or the studio head or whatever. I'm not saying it's all Netflix's fault either. I'm just saying. Well, here's the thing: like again, you're not you go you're going down a darker route for a film that you're actually not 
you don't like you actually kind of enjoyed from what you said thus far i did yeah. I, it, it was it was it, it filled a void for me i like and I, i'm not hiding anything here i i do like action films uh, sci-fi is always going to be my number one place and this kind of does delve a little into the sci-fi thing and that's where right. some of rucka's uh parts in this actually i could feel that like some yeah, ruckaisms no, in there totally i i agree with you on that we got it we got an email in from wayne c who says the old man, our hero. God damn, I knew it was right. See there? Once Easy. again, Easy. vindication Ego. right there. Hey, geeks, so funny, you kids. Well, thanks, Dad. Forget Heart of Stone. I would rather watch Barbie shit. Okay, Wayne, I actually enjoyed Barbie. I know a number of our listeners did not. That's cool. Heart of Stone, I got to say, for me, it was fun. It was fun. It wasn't great. It was fun. It scratched my spy. You know, I love the spy yep. itch. Mm -hmm. And again, Gal Gadot, I enjoy watching her on screen doing stuff. She's because I've always been like, yeah, smartest thing. It's like, of course, she became like a big action star, a, a model with freaking combat training. Like, that's yeah. very rare that it's like, oh, you used to be a soldier and you're a model. Uh, so yeah, so I definitely I enjoyed it. We got a, another email in from Tim S. that says Green's assignment, assessment, assessment. Sorry, agree with Green. Well, maybe not. Basically, it sucked. <laughs> okay, so he was Tim was writing that and then changed course when he was like he thought you hated it, and when it turns out well, you were you were okay with it, had to change course of that email. Well, thank you for giving us the whole email, Tim. Uh, so what are you saying? People see in theaters. I'm oh, sorry, see it on Netflix or uh, skip it all together? Um, like I said, I enjoyed it. Uh, if you're looking for some action, go check it out. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it's if, if it's not, that's not your thing. There's there's plenty of other stuff on Netflix right now that you can watch, um, you know, and there's obviously great things in the theater, you know. So um, that that's what I would say is if you're looking for an action film, especially a spy action film, go check it out. Otherwise, you know, you probably, you might be able to find something better. Yeah. I thought it was fun. If you're looking for something just to put on, mm -hmm. it's worth putting on. But if you're, if you're, if it's not your thing, if you're not really, like, I really want something that's not a spy type thing. Well, then you can skip it all together. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with our final guest of the evening, Tamara Sherback about her short film, white noise. It's all happening right here. Geek hard radio radio. One Oh one. Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com for information on our advertising packages today. Welcome back to Gay Card right here on Reality Radio 101. Now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Gay Card. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. And it's now time for our final guest of the evening. Our guest is a director who has a body of work across genres of fiction, documentary, and experimental cinema, and has played at film festivals all over the place. Her most recent short film, White Noise, played at the Fantasia Film Festival and won the Silver Mel's Prize for Best Film. Please welcome to the program, Tamara Sherback. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. Well, glad that you're on. Uh, White Noise is a really intense film that uh, I wasn't exactly sure what it was going to be like. And I was thinking, oh, where are we going to go with this? And you really touched on like 
deep human emotion, but also really played with the horror element in this. For people who haven't had a chance to see it yet, what's the film all about? So uh, White Noise tells the tale of our uh, protagonist, Ava, who is a, a woman suffering from a hypersensitivity to sound. So essentially, sound is an invisible monster in her life. Uh, and it's based on a real condition called misophonia, which um, my producer and co-writer, Christina Saliba, has suffered from since a child. And we started collaborating together to tell this story, uh, really using the um, the genre of horror and thriller as a way of uh, communicating and exploring this condition and to put the audience in the, in the shoes of someone with this condition. Yeah. I got to say like, I, I wasn't really familiar with the condition, you know, like I think I may have heard something about it, you know, previously, but it's not something that is, you know, clearly talked a lot about, you know, like that and, and how people who have it would, you know, I, I can't even imagine a world in which I would, you'd suffer hearing things. Like it's just as somebody who has hearing, I, it's not a thought in my mind. And it, what we see her go through, through in the film, it, it's, it's very like, it was daunting. Cause I was just sitting, I was like, wow, I, I, I feel so bad at almost every moment here. Like even like having to wear that, the, the giant headphones, like that's, oof, that is a lot for anybody. And then as the, where we go in the film, you know, you kind of like, okay. Cause that, that's the other thing. The room in this, I've yeah. heard stories about those uh, Uber soundproof rooms and they are also terrifying to me. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. The anechoic chambers. Yeah. Well, once I did some research into it and discovered how uh, people essentially might uh, lose their minds a little bit after 45 minutes inside a chamber uh then it was like i i the film has to be based around that and uh yeah so essentially ava does signs up for this experimental trial uh because uh doctors can't help her and she thinks her salvation will be inside the world's quietest room this anechoic chamber um but um her euphoria quickly descends um into madness as she starts hearing the insides of her own body her worst nightmare yeah, no, it's the, the whole idea of the internalization that suddenly the, the problem that you had from without is gone. So now you start to internalize. And with that, those scenes, like with the eyelids and, and the heart pounding and everything like that, the sound editing in this film is amazing. How much time were you guys putting into the sound editing on this? Oh, yeah, sound is a character. It's the uh, main antagonist of the film. Yeah. That was very crucial to get right, and we spent an immense amount of time, and we were very lucky uh, to be able to collaborate with Sylvain Belmere, who's an Oscar winner for his sound design on uh, Denis Villeneuve's Arrival. Uh, so we had a lot of fun together with him and also our excellent um, sound mixer, Hans Lott. And uh, yeah, that was a, a lot of work, especially in the theater with the 5.1 mix. That's uh, a special experience. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say so, man. Yeah, because, yeah, you really did turn sound into a horrific character. Like, I was afraid of the sound. I really was. Like, I was feeling. I was feeling for Ava because it's like, my God. Like, just having the – you did a great job of putting the audience into what feeling was Ava was feeling, getting to understand what that kind of condition is like. And so, again, I guess, I guess Christina was such a – a great outlet for putting this story together with you having such experience with it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, we started actually writing the feature version first. Uh, and then we wrote the short later as a, as a proof of concept uh, to get funding and so on. So uh, yeah, it's been quite a journey and we're still in development with the feature. We have some development money from telefilm. We're working with a fantastic script editor and Karen Walton, uh, the writer of Ginger Snaps. Uh, among other among a lot of other great projects so uh yeah we even have uh potentially a series in development so there's a lot of uh a lot more to discover in the white noise universe right definitely we got an email in from gwen n who says tamara has a very cool accent where is she from uh i'm from montreal but my family is also ukrainian and austrian so there's a mixture of a lot of different things going on there you go. Nice. Uh, Gwen then also goes on to say hey to the old man. She, there you go. Another person saying hey to the old man tonight. Hey to you as well, Gwen. I'm a fan of you as you are a fan of me. 
And Gwen also says Heart of Stone sucks. So at least at least our listeners that emailed in were consistent about the film we reviewed tonight. Uh, so that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I, I was curious, Tamara. Like the 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 room, the the chamber in the in the film itself. Is it was it a real one that you guys used, or was it more of a, a prop? It's a real chamber in the um, University of Montreal, uh, the the, the Polytechnic. Uh, so yeah, we were very lucky to film inside the real chamber, and that really added to the element. And uh, definitely, the stress and anxiety levels uh, for our brilliant, brilliant actress Bahia Watson. Uh, you know, but the, the day before uh, we started shooting, we were able to do some rehearsals inside the chamber, and she got to experience the chamber firsthand. And um, uh, that definitely, you know, informed her performance going into it. I got to I, I got to imagine even spending a few minutes in there, like as part of rehearsals would be enough to I, I honestly like I, I'm having a little bit of anxiety even thinking about it because like <laughs> I, I've I don't know about anybody else, but I've had moments where not in that that kind of a chamber, but where I've been super still, super quiet. Um, and I've had like noise canceling uh, headphones or earbuds in and hearing the sound, sounds of my body even at that level is not fun it's very disheartening oh yeah the stomach especially oh my gosh right and i was like so watching this i was just like okay like it is you know it's interesting because like when i when we first heard about this and i was thinking oh this is a film at fantasia and i'm thinking oh okay there's gonna be and i'm thinking like a physical manifestation or supernatural manifestation but it's like as you put it the sound is the monster and it's such a unique element of that it's it's not that kind of tradition but it still plays as a horror film oh, absolutely yeah yeah and definitely shooting up we shot an entire day in an oak chamber and that was uh yeah by the end of the day everybody was losing their minds a little bit <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. i'm glad that you guys were able to maintain your sanity to put this film together absolutely. Uh, of course the film is going to be coming to crave in winter of 2024 but is it has it got more festival appearances on, uh, coming up? Uh, we're certainly um, have a, uh, a festival circuit going on for the next year before uh, it arrives on Crave. So we'll keep you posted. Uh, you can follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, TikTok. And that's White Noise Film? Is that what it is? Or? I think it's White Noise underscore short film, something like that. Okay, perfect. All right, well, people check it out. Just search White Noise Film or short film on the socials you should be able to find it uh thank you so much for coming on tomorrow it's a it's a great film yeah in the sense that you really you really make the audience feel it with this definitely and i commend you for it thank you so much yeah, yeah we're, we're you know trying to explore invisible illnesses of all kinds and uh bring some empathy in the horror with it definitely well yeah, you have yourself great. a great night tomorrow all right take care See thanks you. tomorrow bye Bye. So that was Tamara Sherbach. Um, White Noise will be uh, coming to some film festivals throughout the year if you want to find out where it's going to be playing and when it will be coming to Crave in 2024. Uh, look them up on social media. Look for White Noise Short Film and uh, check it out. Yeah, Mr. no, it was it was really great. You guys oh, definitely yeah. should. Yeah, yeah no, I was, I, was, I was really drawn in by it. Yeah, uh, don't don't let my 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 anxiety about it uh, color you. Like that's part of why I really like it was how much it affected me. So exactly. Well, we've come to the end of another episode, Mister Green. Where can the good folks find us? Uh, as always, if you like what we do here, you can always find additional content over at Patreon.com/slash/GeekCard. Uh, for those who participate in that right now, we thank you guys ever so much. You guys are amazing. Thanks. Uh, it really does help us out uh, month to month. And uh, for those of you who don't right now, you know, with just like listening, it's super cool. We understand. And it's we're glad that you listen every week. That would, That's but amazing. we love your help. If we get your help, we can do so many great things together. That's right. And so just join us. We can change the world one geek at a time. Join us. Oh, that's it? Okay. Yeah, I thought you were going to go another round. There's only so much propaganda I can do. Continue. That's that's, that's fair. That's fair. Because otherwise, anyways, um, 
Additional bonus content is available through YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Yes, even Pinterest. You can search Geek Heart Show on any of those platforms and you will find us there. Uh, of course, actually check those out right now because we're running a contest for Fast X. You can get uh, a chance to win a, uh, a 4K Blu-ray uh, DVD copy of the film. Um, you know, we know that was a big hit with all of our listeners uh, earlier a this year. A number of our listeners really dug it, yeah. Yeah, so here's an opportunity you get for free. So go check that out on all the socials. Uh, even Threads. We're on Threads as well. So check it out. Geek Card Show on any of those platforms. You'll find us there. Check out our website, geekcardshow.com, for more news, reviews, and the podcast version of this very show available on Mondays after 2 p.m. Of course, if you don't listen to us live and then you're going to listen to us as a podcast, the best way to do that is to do what, Andrew? Is to subscribe to us, to us on your podcasting platform of choice, be it the iTunes, the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Spotify, wherever you catch your pods. And while you're there, leave a five-star rating and review because we're friends and you're friends and we can do it together, friends. Absolutely. And as always, you can continue the conversation with us by emailing geekartshow at gmail.com. I want to thank Jim Zub and Tamara Sherbeck for coming on the program. Uh, for Jim Zub, for Conan the Barbarian, for Dungeons and Dragons, for Game Night, for Heart of Stone, for Netflix, for the fans that weren't a big fan of Heart of Stone, for Tamara Sherbeck, for White Noise, for Mr. Green, and for Yuri in the booth. This is Andrew. I'm saying if you're going to geek out, you might as well geek hard on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Geek Hard with your hosts, Andrew Young and Mr. Green, right here on Reality Radio 101.